Well, hello there. So it's a big welcome. Um, new podcast and some content that us at Chase Town Football Club are, are looking to roll out. We're going to call it the Scholars Spotlight. So first, we'd like to welcome Jamie Butch, who's our head of youth, the youth development program. Hello, Jamie. Evening, guys. How are you all? All good. All good. I'd all. I'd also like to welcome Jacob Webster. Jacob Webster's a Chase Town super fan who had some questions that we want to get him involved with. So, hello to you, Jacob. Good evening, guys. How are you all? Good. All, all good, Jacob. Nice to meet you, mate. So, I promise I'm not going to make it too difficult, Jamie. I'll I'll go with the with the first question. Really, as head of the youth development program, I thought it'd be a brilliant place to start. We've got three tiers that nobody really understands externally. We've got, obviously, Chasetown First Team. We've got the Youth Development Programme. And we've got the Youth Section. Can you just go through what defines those three steps? Absolutely. So let's go from the sort of grassroots up is probably the better way. So I think what everybody knows the club for is, is uh, and I, I think this season, Ant and Jane who run that section, I think they've got something like 46 teams. I think it is Ruby. So... That, that section is purely participation, grassroots, uh, boys, girls from, I think we're taking them in now from four or five years old, playing in mini kickers, all the way through to 16, 17 year olds. And it's very much, I think, an absolute lifeblood asset of Chase Town Football Club to me. That is your community football at its very best. And probably, you know, with parents, there's probably 1,500 to 2,000 people involved in that operation, isn't there, by the time I asked? Dads, sisters. So, you know, just on 45, 50, 46 teams alone. So the grassroots, they take care of all the mixed ability participation, boys, girls, which is really key. And what I'm sure we'll come on to the facility development uh, at some stage in this interview. Um, but they are a key part of our club. And then at the top end, we, you know, have the first team, our flagship team that everybody knows us and, you know, has, has been there for, for many years and your supporters and people like Jacob uh, travel the length and breadth of the country watching us. Um, and what and what we recognised, and, and probably this is where my role crossed when I arrived at the club. I'd been working with the club for two years in a full-time role. I think quite a few of the supporters know now that I work for the FA and I've been leading a national programme of, of investment coming into non-league clubs. And Chasetown was one of three, three or four clubs I was working with uh, as part of a national pilot program um and when i was doing that work what we recognized was one of the areas the club didn't have was this ability to develop local talent and and it was actually the clubs themselves that recognized it and what we recognized was we got players from the chase town community were going off to play in many local non-league clubs who were 14 16 18 20 and they're playing for Amesford, they're playing for rushall they're playing for tamworth you know they're coming up to bolnia and, and I think what we recognised as part of the new vision for the club about three years ago was why aren't we developing players ourselves for our own club? And that was where youth development started. Um, Twelve months later, after that conversation, Mr Jones, the, the new chairman by then, threw me a yarn and said, would I be interested in coming in and doing it? So away from my work, um, that was where youth development programme was born. Not like Steve at all, is it? Unbelievable. <laughs> Okay, Jacob, what, what question did you have? What inspired the creation of this this uh, youth programme um, and how does it fit into the broader vision for the club's future? Yeah, so, brilliant, Jacob. So that follows on from, you know, that, that sort of, we recognise if we want to grow and be this big club in terms of the non-league community, which 
you know, we know our aspirations are. And what we wanted to do was build a football club. And I think that's really important. And what I think sets us apart from quite a few others, we, we don't just want to build a first team that, you know, we pile all our resources. I think everybody knows what's going on with the stadia at the moment and the 3G. And it's not just about the 3G, is it? It's about the clubhouse. It's about the match day experience. And and this was the broader sort of um, uh, sort of development that we put this vision together. And I was working with the new board once Mick had handed over the club to this new board. So the the youth development program wants to develop players. That that is its prime objective. We want to develop local talent. First and foremost, we want to develop it for the first team, Jacob. Let's be clear about that. But in the non-league pathway, the pathway is not like an academy program in a pro club where the line is just linear. So what we're trying to do is is set a um, a vision where we want lads to become the best footballers they can be. So we want our under-12s at the moment, which is our youngest age. We would like our under-12s to go on and go in the pro game. You know, what better to see, you know, the Villa or the Albion or the Wolves, whoever it is, the Sadlers, come and sign one of our under-12s and they go off and have a career. But likewise, the reality is, is our under-18s who played in the FA Youth Cup last week, we're quite upfront, Jacob, that if they're not in the pro game at 16, 17, 18, the honest reality is it's going to be difficult for them. The percentages are less than 1%, probably less than half percent of them becoming a pro footballer. So what the youth development program is doing at the top end is saying to these young boys, look, we will give you as professional coaching programs we can in an environment that will make you a better footballer, in a club that will look after you because we want to build the club and we want to give them a real, you know, productive, positive football experience. At the same time, we're shouting what we call a dual career. And what we're saying, and I say this now as a parent of a lad who's in that under-18 programme, he's, he's just left school, he's started his A-levels, that I think we have a duty of care to those young lads to say, look, the reality is, if you want to buy a car or you want to buy a house in 10 years' time, the reality is it probably won't come from football full-time. But why not be able to play football at a good level, be step one, step two, step three, step four, the Northern Prem, the National League, wherever that is. And at the same time, go and be qualified in your A-levels, go to university or be an apprentice or be an engineer and do what Docker does or do what Langi does or do what um, Rennie does, where actually they've had a great career on the field, you know, playing at a great level, but off the field, they're bright guys doing well in their own right and, that's exactly what we're trying to promote to our young boys in the pathway. No, that's a, that's a great answer. And I think it kind of covers a little bit of the next question, really. And if you think from the perspective of a mom or a dad, nans or granddads, or, or even young kind of starlet players themselves, what would you say sets our youth development programme apart from, from others in the region? Um, I think starting at the club, I think we have club buying. And one of the agreements I had with the chairman when I come in was I want it to be an investment program. I want the club to invest into it and through the facilities and through some of the operational type stuff like kit, et cetera, club actually financially investing. So we, we're not here to fund the club. And I think I'm, I was quite keen on that. We all, we've got to make it pay. We've got to be sustainable like, you know, any club at this level. So I think that that side of it, we are very integrated. I think we're integrated. My relationship with Swanee, the Gaff family, and Swanee go back a lot of time. But I think Swanee totally understands. I understand the challenges he's got because his job is to win games every week. But he also understands that we want to build a football credibility. 
and actually having the best young players, and we played Warsaw last week, is only going to help our relationships with pro clubs when we're competing at that level at 16, 17, as we are at 12 and 15. So I think there's that side of it. I think on the grass, I think our programme is as good as anybody's, the quality of coaching, the relationship we have with the university. So yesterday, um, we finally managed to launch our sports injury clinic. So all of our pro, all our lads in the programme get access to um, the injury and rehab unit at Wolverhampton Uni, which is where our base is on a Tuesday night. Uh, all the lads have access to analysis, the other platform where they can do their own analysis. Um, and, and the overall coaching, the quality of coaches we have, you know, people like Chris Slater, um, Matty Fright and Nathan Langby at the younger ages. And then we've got people like Craig Lee, myself at the older ages. So I, I think there's a multiple of things that, that probably set our program apart. Um, uh, the challenge is is, is is sort of keeping that going as we grow the program. And, and we're 12s, 15s, 16s, 18s and 23s this year. And then next year, we'll have the two age groups in the middle that we're missing. So by next year, we'll have a full suite from under 12 to under 23s. Of wow. Uh, Jacob, I know you've got another question, but before that, so how many how many kids does that cover? That sounds like a lot of... Currently, we have 80 players in the system, Rubian, and then we'll add to that. Um, so we, we'll, we'll be the best part of this time next year when we, we're complete on the pathway, because... We wanted to build it up over the, the sort of two, three years. We're very conscious of building something so big too soon. Um, and it's got to be sustainable. So that, that's the key thing for us. Um, so we'll have about 105, uh, 105, 110 players. And then we will be, at the moment, we've got 22 staff. Um, three quarters of those are coaching staff and on the grass. Um, the five or six are people like Pete Bailey and the team and Johnny Harris and those guys behind the team who are helping us. Which is, you know, without the backbone, I always say we, we we can't go out on the grass and produce the players. So it's it's a very big operation, Ruben. So you mentioned the um, the dual career approach, and uh, Jamie, how how does that benefit all the young players that are involved in the youth development program as well? Yeah, well, the, the most important thing is is um, that they might not think about fits, and we, you know, it's very much probably the parents as much as the players because they want to play football all the time, but. I think what we, we do, and I think we are as a football club, I think we're a really responsible football club just by our commitment to the community, our, our stakeholder relationships with the local authorities and the football foundation, all that type of stuff. So as a football club, I think we're consistent to our values, aren't we, of, of what we're about. Um, so in, in terms of the dual career, um, it's recognising that you can have the best of both and you can be good at but you know being an apprentice engineer, or you might be one. We've got quite lads, a lot of lads doing like things like sparky and plumbing and things like that. You know, going into trades, and um, and we're saying that's brilliant. The the hard challenge with it, Jacob, is is recognizing getting up at eight and finishing at four. Then you've got to come in. We, we were in sometimes three times a week. Um, so the under 18s they train on a Monday, train on a Thursday, and if they've got a Wednesday night game, and then they might be selected for the reserves as well on a Saturday. It's it's a commitment. So it doesn't come easy, but you you know you go go and ask Chris Taylor, go and ask those boys. It's blinking hard work being a semi-pro footballer because it's a lot of sacrifice on top of family commitments, professional commitments. But it's an absolute brilliant reward, um, and you know we're trying to get boys ready for for, for that environment. That's that's what we're here to do. Okay. So what are the kind of key expectations that you've got for the players that are enrolled already and are going to enrol in the future? 
Um, so we we want the players to be in that ability that are knocking on the door for professional football. That is as simple as that, you know. So we we want to create chase. And if you're not in a pro club in this region, if you're not in Warsaw, Vale, Shrewsbury, that's realistically our pecking order. So you know, Villa are probably the top of the tree in the area. You've got the Wolves, the the Albions, and then the Cobbs, and then you're getting into the the Shrewsburys, the Sadlers, the Vales, those sort of clubs. Obviously, a bit further afield, Derby and Forest the other way. Um, but we we want those boys to to come into our football club. It's as simple as that. And what we've got to do is, and, and this is the thing about building a football club. We want a boy, whether he's coming out of Forest at 14 or the Sadlers at 16, to say actually that is a great place to go and play football. And it's not just the player, it's the parent. One, one of the challenges we do have is about what I call authenticity. I think football, and as somebody who's worked in it and lived in it and played in it for all my life, I don't know any different. We we have a lot of what I would call BS in in our game. And I think you can all your, your viewers can work out what BS is. Don't, don't need Einstein to work that out. And we have a lot of people selling dreams in football. Um, I think... Swanee and myself, if there's anything we have in common, we are probably down-to-earth guys who've played the game at a good level, being involved in the game, and we are honest and we really look after boys. I think we care about our players. And I think whether you are, you know, Little Slates in the 15s, you're um, Tom Walker in the 18s, or you're Jaden Campbell in the first team, I'd like to think that all of them would say that we try and look after the boys at the club and we look after them you know, off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And that I think is really important that, that that we say to these boys, we want the best players, but we also want good characters and good eggs in our club. And I, I think we have those at every level. And, and that, I have to give credit to the first team. The first team have such good standards. I know our, our boys have followed that. And I, and I, I know their behaviours and the way they go about it are, are acknowledged by most people around our club, you know, if not all of them. Following on from that then, Jay, like the positive attitude around around the club at the moment, um, how does the Jay's Town board and the first team staff um, support and contribute to the overall success of the programme um, as, as well? Yeah, no worries. So in terms of the board then, um, we are one of those integral pillars that Ruben started the conversation off with. Um, you know, what we recognised in the new era of Chase Town, and this is probably where, again, my work hat flips with my my um, my sort of volunteer as as head of youth development is that there's, there's sort of three or four key pillars to our, our club isn't there our club model and and the youth development is at the core of that so invested in you know invested finance invested time and um, placing it you know as one of those core pillars of our club is is for me absolutely um, essential so in terms of the board for me that's that. In terms of the first team, um, there's a few things that we've done. You're not in youth development, you know, and, and I look at some of the players I've been involved with growing up now, um, and they it takes time to develop young players. So I'm not going to come on here tonight and say, we've got players in the first team, because after blinking 15 months of a youth development programme, you haven't developed youth team players. You've probably brought them in from somewhere and put them in your first team. So at the moment, we're on that journey. Um we have a group of um, of about five or six in the resi group that we're really pushing on. So they now train full time with the first team. So um, we have sort of different stages of what I define success as. So we've got a couple of lads out on loan at the moment. Joe Perry is the obvious one at, Staff- at Stafford. And um, we, we we have Sam on the keeper out on loan at Great Worley. Joe is doing really well. He's been out there for two, three months. We, we go up and watch him, we review him. And that's obviously all done with myself, Craig Glitter, who does the reserves. 
and Swanee and Jamie. So that that's it. Then we've got the next group who are training with the first team all the time. And then we'll start looking, well, if they don't get in the first team, we'll get them out on loan, get playing first team football. So that, but then you've also got, like, so last last week is interesting that everybody's on about the under 18 youth, youth cup. Virtually, I think it was 13, 14 out of 17 that was changed are all 16 or 17. So they go again next year in next year's FA Youth Cup. So we've had probably five or six of them in that team playing reserve team football. And then likewise, we've had some of the 16 stepping up. So in terms of buying, if we don't get the buying of the old club, the first team staff, everybody, that pathway, that that conveyor belt can't happen. Um, myself and Swanee spend a lot of time on conversations about what do we do with young players? Where do we put them? How do we integrate them? Tuesday night, we have a games night program. So if there's no first team game, if there's no under 18 game, we start bringing teams in. And that's the plan in the future. When the pitch is not being used for a match tonight, let's get a team in. You know, maybe the lads who need minutes in the first team. Let's get the the sort of 17 to 19, 20 year old boys playing against men's senior teams. So the Darlistons of the world. And um, we have Busloan coming on Saturday. They, we have no fixture. So, so it was all different ways that we integrate it into the program. That follows on nicely, actually, to the to the next question. I know in pre-season, the 18s and the 23s trained with the first team and, and, and were involved with not just the training, but all the whole pre-season fixtures. Um, what's, have you seen the impact of that on the others as yet? Have you seen the difference that that makes of them being integrated with the first teamers? Yeah, so so one of my sayings, um, Ruben, for any young player, and we've all, you know, we've all been a young person, you have to give young players hope, and that's what I th- I'm really. I'm a big believer in this, and I say this to the board. I say this to Swanee. We've got to give them hope. We've also got to be honest with them, and without being brutal, we have to be honest with the boys. Now, what we did pre-season, there were certain sessions where we knew we could bring them together. So, you know, one of them sessions was a physical session where on a Saturday morning we all integrated, and it was brilliant. And I think you know, first team staff was you know quite impressed with, with the, the physical abilities of, of the younger boys. We've done that in training sessions and we've done that in games. But we've also, they've got to earn it as well. And we have a saying in our youth development program about earning the right. And I think we, we've got to be careful because I think we live in an era, Ruby, where I think there's a sense of entitlement that the players think they should be given things. A million particularly young players. Um, I have to manage parents and their expectations. And I think some parents don't realise the levels that our first team play at. I think that's difficult. I think the levels of non-league, certainly when I finished 15, 20 years ago, and when Swanee was playing, when, you know, the bus was playing, I think the levels are far higher. The boys are fitter than they've ever been. And if you can't run and you're not fit, you don't play first team football at, at, at step three, step four level where, where we're aspiring. So... I think it's really important that we, we do have that integration. We played at Gressley. We played over at Wolves Cassies. We had those games where we mix it all up. That's brilliant. It's a great learning environment. But then the boys have to go back in their own backyard and do it on a Tuesday night away at Allend or, you know, up at Stafford Town or, you know, over at Balmier and under-18 games. So all that is about giving experiences, giving variety to hopefully give them the better chance of becoming a a senior player, hopefully at our club, but if not at our club, we'll encourage them to go off and play, you know, first team football elsewhere. I, I'm leading this nicely into the eighth question as well. So, in terms of um, what sort of ways do you facilitate opportunities for younger players, um, such as loans, and then obviously 
our local clubs um, for engagement with, with the first team managers as, as well. Yeah, so um, probably unusually for me, I'm, I'm probably one of the few people who's, you know, are probably connected in the non-league landscape because of my job and where I come from, what I've done previously. So through that, through, through Swanee particularly and Jamie and some of our senior players, we're now sort of building a credibility. That will also goes both ways. The clubs have got to trust us that we've got good players. And so, you know, the more we play against them and the more we have players integrating at senior level, the more likely we're going to get players out to better loans. But there's also got to be a right time for a player to go out on loan, just like you see at the Villa or the Albion or the Wolves, whoever you follow. Sometimes going out and playing first-team football is not right for every player. And we're sort of saying that, you know, so we might have a player who is, you know, small in his physicality, he's behind on his physical maturation. So we're saying, actually, going out to step six would not be right for them. You know, he's going to be kicked all over the park. He's going to be smashed up. Actually, at the moment, he needs to stay in our program and work with Craig and the reserves and the be around the training program. Whereas somebody like Peza, Peza's come out of Warsaw as a scholar. He's physically developed. He now needs to go and play minutes. So between us, we've found the right club for him. The next challenge for Peza is we'll get coming to get back into our first team. And if he doesn't try and get in our first team for, for whatever reason, that might be somebody's playing well. That might be he's not quite ready in terms of the gaffer's size. We'll then place him out on loan, but does he go to a step five club or a, a club that's competing at the next level of the pyramid? So, yeah, so there's a lot of things and thoughts have, have to go in. I think people throw it out willingly, oh, you just throw a player out on loan. But actually, if you're doing a good team in step five, why do you want a player on loan? Because you've got 14 good players already. So, yeah. you know, we have, we have to think about where they're going and, and, and is it right for them? And also, are they being looked after as well? You know, we... Their, their welfare is what we've got to look after as well as their football ability. I think what's nice about that story, just listening to it from a, an independent, you know, is it It feels like everybody's completely viewed as an individual and it, it, it's not just a mass market approach. Everybody's got their own yeah. unique skills, their own unique personalities and a weak answer to that. Now, that's special for a club our side. The, 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 the flip side to that though, Ruby, is, and this is one of our sort of in our DNA, we will sacrifice results to develop the players. So, for example, we've took, we will now take out some of our 18s, our older under-18s, from the under-18s because they'll go and play in reserves. Now, if they're playing for the reserves on a Saturday, we're not going to make them play on Monday night because that will open the door for an under-16. So if we've got the left winger, he's gone and played on a Saturday in our 23s game, then on the Monday night, we'll go and find the next young winger coming through and they'll get the opportunity, and that's how doors open, and that's how, you know, you take advantage of opportunity. So does that mean that we may lose the game because we're playing a younger lad who might not be quite ready? Well, if that's the case, so be it. But you know what? That'll make him a better player over the long term. So it's, if we want to win the league, I'd be quite confident our under-18s under could go close, and I think they will go close. I'm more bothered about getting them 12 months into their development and where do they look this time next year. And actually, yes, they might play 18s, but the one play 18s, so we win the league. They'll only play 18s if it's right for them as an individual player. No, that that makes complete complete sense. This is the fun bit now, really. It's something you can sound the trumpet to. Have you got a couple of success stories and players that have moved through the youth development program? Things that you you're really proud of. I remember last year a beautiful moment. You might not mention this one. Hopefully, you would have. Um, and it was one of the. One of the, the young ones that had been through the development programme 
and ended up at a premiership club. Have you got any other stories like that that we've involved in the club? Yeah, Ruby, you remember that because we spoke about it at the um, celebration night, didn't we, the presentation night. So, yeah, but the ironic thing about that is that was one of our analysis guys. So that oh. wasn't even a player. So but that that is exactly what we are, aren't we? We're, we're, we're a breeding ground for young people and let's develop local young people. So through the partnership, David, he's at West Ham now. So uh, ironically, he's, he's up at the university tonight where I'll go and see him in a bit and... Uh, He's, he's doing some work with the students on on analysis. But, yeah, David went off. And for us, that is, of course, a success story because he spent last year working with our players. That helped him get it on his CV to get this opportunity he's got at West Ham. And, it, and by his own admission, without Chase Down, he doesn't get that stepping stone of real-life work experience. So a good example. On the pitch, um, we, we have a couple. You know, we we, we have, um, you know, Nunny and Foxy were on the bench last week or the week before, was it? From 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 the Resi group, Bish has been close. Pez has been involved. Um, so so there, there are people going close. And um, then we've got a couple of the younger boys who, who've played. So we've had young Rajan and 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 Nico going into um, Tom Nicklin going from 18s and they're young going into the reserves. And then you know we've had four or five of the reserve lads um, playing at um, a, a week in week out in the reserves. You know we've had one lad. Uh, Joey Buckley's come back from injury this year. Was a real plus for us. He's a new lad coming coming from another club, and um, and he's doing well as as are two or three of the others. So in terms of individuals, you know, I'd not probably like to stick out one or two at the bottom end. We've got about three lads on trial at pro clubs at the moment, and our under twelves. I watched our under twelves on Saturday, and they are outstanding. They they are as as good group probably outside of pro football. They. They would, I would confidently say they will go and compete in terms of the way they play, what they do with the bottom end academy systems, what what we call cap threes in the in the academy program E Triple P, um, and that's exactly the bar we want to mention. And then you know I'll go and watch the fifteens, and the fifteens go and beat a team who haven't lost a game in two to three years. So Chris Slater's under fifteen team who's been it's been together for a while, but they've added to it since they come into the youth development program, and he just started this season with us. Um, and they beat top of the league on Saturday. So there's a lot of individuals doing well within that. Um, but also, I'll also shout out whilst we're on about it, the coaches as well, because without the players, um, without the good coaches, players don't develop. And we've got an absolute high-quality set of coaches working for our club in a voluntary capacity three, four times a week in some cases. Um, and it's a hell of a commitment. So I'll use this opportunity to say thanks to them because without them, we don't have his development programme. No prop. Prop. So I think it's easy to forget. We're only eighteen months in, right? So yeah, fifteen months through. I'll pull you back on that one. <laughs> wow, fifteen months. I mean, so it was incredible jump. Well, yeah, eighteen months ago, I I first met Steve. Yeah, I came in about the March, and then we started it in the summer last year. So yeah, it's and and it does take time, doesn't it? But we all wanted to happen yesterday. So from this end, um, Jamie, how, from the Chase Sounds obviously perspective as well, what are the key indicators of success for the programme in terms of building that sustainability for the club? So from the, like the upward spiral. Making it fi- financially viable is key. So, so um, yes, the club do invest, but we, we also need other people to invest in terms of the financial sustainability of the model. Parents pay subs. Um, and then the way we do our model is the older you get, the less you pay once you get to sort of 18 to 23s, and then it becomes obviously, um, you know, integrated into the senior football club model. So in terms of that, 
Um, and I will put a plea out tonight. We do need people to come and support us, local sponsors, and we get some great support. And, you know, all the board are, are up with us um, through all their companies. Um, but also it's important we have others. In terms of, of success on the field, Jacob, the first and foremost is we want players to play for our first team. And that's the number one, but probably the hardest challenge. That's all. Two, they go and leave us to play senior football elsewhere in the non-league pyramid. That might be above us. That might be below us. It might be around us. And we want them to carry on playing, you know, wherever they go. So some players, unfortunately, every year we have to do a retain and release program. So we don't guarantee any player that they got the opportunity to come back a year on year. They have to earn their place for the following year. Now, for some people... We have to have that difficult conversation. And it's the, the worst thing about the job is saying that, thanks, but you're not going to make it through to the next phase. And so for us, keep playing, keep developing yourself, go away and prove us wrong. So we, we have no issue with that. And then the other one is we'd love to see the younger players go off to pro clubs because we know if they go into a pro club, so if they go off to leave Chase Day and go to the baggies, if they get released at 16, at 18, at 21, if they've had a good experience, they'll come back with that. You know, of course it will. You know what I mean? That, that's your club. It's a club that's helped you. And, and then the other one is developing just good young people who are successful in their own professional career and are good eggs, we call them. And and that, for us, is, is part of success. And I know our club board really believe having good people, good eggs around our football clubs is, is part of it. And we have good people at Chase said, Jacob, you know that as much as anybody. We're, we are a, sometimes, I think, too friendly club. I think we're the most lovely club. I think everybody likes us. And I think part of what me and Swanee are doing on the pitch is trying to be a bit more hard-nosed about our football and, and try and build that football credibility. So absolutely, let's keep that lovely feel, that friendliness, because everybody loves Chase Town. We, we have a good following. We have a great fan base. But also, that success also, we want it to be on the pitch. Let's get promoted in the first team. Let's develop more players. Let's attract more you know, players into pro clubs and vice versa, all that. Okay, that, uh, again, that's, that's fantastic. Thanks for that, Jamie. Last question, because I know you've got things to do and places to go. Jacob's obviously a super fan. Get up there, you scholars. Uh, how can someone like Jacob or somebody listening along or any of our fans who, who come to the match their experience, how can they get more involved or su support the youth development program? How can they do it? Okay, multiple of ways. So first and foremost, obviously the scholars grand 3G. There'll be a lot of games coming up, won't there? So... Just generally support, you know, if you're in the local community and you've got nothing on, you know, the floodlights are on, by and large, come down and support the club, whoever's playing. You know, first team, res is 18, 16. Um, we're always looking for the sponsors, people who've got the local businesses locally, fantastic, get involved. We're always looking for volunteers. So, for example, 18s and 23s, Rubin, as you well know, um, it is difficult sometimes. You know, we've got the gates to manage, need a little bit of stewarding. There's all sorts of stuff where... You know, if you want to put a little bit something back into our club, and that might not be youth development, by the way, that's the, the the wider club will find something for you. If you're willing to volunteer, I'm sure there's a role somewhere in our club for you that that we can do. And then I think the 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 other one I think is is generally just coming behind the lads and and supporting us and really encouraging them and and making that place. Because I think Jacob, the one thing I said when I walked through the door four years ago, met Big Joy, and I was sat down about. How do we take this club forward? You know, it's, I think it become a little bit stale by mix on admission. You know, Chase Town had gone off those years of the FA Cup glories and, and it lost probably, it needed some revigoration. And um, the one thing that 
I stand by with Mick Joyner was, it was a lovely club. You were made to feel welcome. And I think what we've done is we've kept that and we now want to build on it. And we've got this lovely venue, this fantastic facility, and but the facility alone won't get us success. We've got to make sure we get our people behind us and people like you and the supporters, Jacob, are probably more important than anybody. Um, so, yeah, get behind us, support us, um, support the first team. Um, I think the more we stay on the same page, the more chance we've got success across the whole of the club. No, that, that's fantastic. That's fantastic, Jamie. Thanks for giving us some of your time. We, we really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I, thank, I you, thank you for your guys as well. Yeah, Ruby and you, the media team, Pete, all the team behind the scenes. That, look, we, we just do the stuff on the grass. You know, I know it's important stuff where it happens, but, you know, the, without the backbone, as I say, the whole thing doesn't function the way it does. So thanks for your help and uh, up the scholars. Thanks for, for, for listening to Scholars Spotlight. Our next pod is going to be with our chubby chairman, Steve Jones. So we'll see you soon. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you.